welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy folks. How is 2022 going so far? I hope you're finding your groove. My groove has gotten wider this year because I'm diving into topics like artificial intelligence and blockchain and how they're going to impact life sciences. Stay with me now. The good news is that after a month or so of diving in, they're actually understandable. I'll be starting a new podcast, I did the first interview yesterday, and a newsletter over on Substack called CC Life Science, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Today we're going to talk about podcasts and compliance, but it's not what you think, and you're going to see why in just a minute. All right, Tom Fox is an attorney. He's the first one, I think, in what's about to be eight my eighth year on this podcast. He's also the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and a content-making machine with too many podcasts to count and an in-depth daily blog. Tom, welcome. Uh, thanks, Chris. A pleasure to be here. So before we start, your podcast and blog run the gamut from pop culture to corporate corruption. And I'm curious about how you, you make all that happen, because in the last couple of weeks, I've seen posts on um, the passing of Michael Nesmith of the Monkees and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in addition to all the compliance uh, content that you make. So how do you keep on top of all that or and what? What's the big picture? Uh, How I keep on top of it all is I'm a voracious reader, learner, consumer, podcast listener to-er, visiting with cool and interesting people-er, and uh, every other thing I can do to to just learn and grow intellectually. Uh, I'm insatiably curious. Uh, The area I started in, uh, or my last legal position was in, anti-corruption compliance. I started blogging. That led to writing books. That led to podcasting. And I realized that um, it's a pretty narrow subject and and fairly dry. And to broaden out my audience and try to engage people, I had to be able to tell stories. So I try to talk about those issues, uh, corruption, fraud, leadership, ethical decision-making, integrity, all through the lens of uh, a storyteller, and whether that be the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Michael Nesmith, um, and everybody in, and everything in between. That's what I try to do. That is a, a perfect segue to our topic for today, um, because we're going to talk about internal podcasts for education and training, and not just for marketing and product info, but also legal and compliance, because I think maybe there's an opportunity or it sounds like there might be an opportunity for storytelling there. So as if someone's a compliance officer, what lay out the goals. What are the benefits and the consequences for organization of correct and incorrect behaviors? Well, uh, let me speak to, to the uh, profession you came out of and are, are frankly still in life sciences. It's right. one of the most heavily regulated industries because it's dealing exactly with the title, the topic, life sciences. And so we have robust government oversight, lots of rules and regulations on everything from 
uh, developing new medicines, to marketing new medicines, to uh, making sure that the advertising a drug company uh, or other pharmaceutical company may put out is accurate so doctors would know what to prescribe and patients, uh, non-physician patients like myself, uh, would know of any negative side effects, potential negative side effects, and everything in between. And we haven't even gotten to basic fraud, corruption, or the general issues. So when you have a a regulated industry such as uh, life sciences, whether that be medical device, whether it be delivery of medical services, whether it be uh, development of pharmaceutical products, there are going to be rules and regulations to follow. And that's what compliance is. It is literally complying with whatever the laws and rules are for your industry, your profession, and your discipline. And they can be very dry. I think you've told me you you were on teams that helped develop um, pharmaceutical products, and there's a very robust oversight process for that that uh, requires a number of steps. All have to be documented, and there's some pretty technical rules and regulations that have grown up in that area. And you need to make not only make people aware of those, but then continually remind them to follow those rules, regulations, uh, laws, and policies. So uh, it can be a, a challenge to sit someone down and make them go through a 30-minute or one-hour or, or some sort of annual training um, that grabs their attention and, and makes them remember it. And you may want them to remember one thing, which is if you have a question, raise your hand. Uh, speak up culture. Um, that doesn't mean you're cultivating whistleblowers. You're just encouraging people if, if they have a question, how do they raise their hand and, and announce that question? And who do they announce it to? Is it the chief compliance officer? Is it the chief product officer? Is it their supervisor? How do they literally raise their hand and ask a question? So all of those things go into compliance. But if you can tell a story around how people successfully did that, or perhaps uh, it, they didn't successfully do that, and you can use that as a lesson learned. Uh, that's something people remember. The raise your hand culture seems, uh, that's a great way to put it. It seems to me, uh, you know, some of the correct behaviors and compliance are common sense, but they're also, as you say, it can be so complicated perhaps that you might not even be aware that you're breaking a rule. And so just getting people into that mindset, like, is this an okay thing to do or not? And then maybe through storytelling, put something in the back of their head so that they might recognize a potentially uh, dangerous <laughs> situation. And and so then they might say, oh, I should ask somebody about this because it, most people probably can't keep all the compliance things down to the last detail in their head, right? So a great example of that is a situation that happened uh, with my wife. Uh, early on in the pandemic, she got an email from a vendor, uh, can I have your home address? And we both thought that was a little odd, but she gave it to him. She'd worked with this vendor for many years. And they sent a door a DoorDash card uh, so that we could get a free home delivery. And um, I said, what's the value? And she told me, and I said, well, you know, that's above the, the limit that you're allowed to accept gratuity from a vendor under your corporate conflicts of interest policies. And I don't think the vendor was trying to, um, to violate that policy or, you know, put my wife in, in any kind of situation. They just didn't know the, the limit or they thought, well, 
you know, I'm sending them something they're going to use and nobody will know about. You know, it could have been one, it could have been all. Um, and so there are some specific rules that you do need to communicate on. But the bigger message for me was, you know, if she had had a question, who, who does she ask? How do you raise your hand and ask that question to? Yeah, and that's such a simple example. I mean, you're thinking, I mean, right now we're recording this. It's less than a week away from Christmas. Vendors are sending out all kinds of things. If I got a DoorDash card, you know, from someone, it might not even cross my mind unless it were something outrageous. But, it, you know, and what if I don't know what the number is uh, on the limit? So, well, and my favorite example is there's a law firm. I'm still on their Christmas distribution list. Well, about 30 years ago, they made the decision they were going to send a pecan pie, as we say in Texas, pecan. Uh, you may say a pecan, but yeah. um, this was in the era of lavish Christmas parties and all that that entailed. And they were laughed at because that was thought they were doing this on the cheap. Well, they were doing it to stand out, which they did because they were the only vendor doing that, even though they're a law firm. And they've continued to do that. Well, guess what? They're in compliance. They were in compliance 30 years ago, and they're still in compliance now because it's less than $25 to send out this pie. And so people, people remember that. And it's, you know, you can tell us, can you tell a story with a pecan pie? Well, apparently the answer is yes, uh, because people now appreciate, hey, I got a Christmas gift. It's something I enjoy. It's, it's appropriate for the time of year. And it's an appropriate dollar amount that I don't have to worry about, you know, filling out a conflict of interest form or calling the vendor and saying, you know, I'm sorry, I can't accept this. Right. And I like that you point out a, an example that's within the guidelines that, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's impossible to send a gift to your clients. It just means you should probably know, you know, what might or might not get them in trouble. And then, of course, on a marketing podcast, we love standing out, right? So. <laughs> Amen. Um, so describe the trajectory from you know, a do this, don't do that sort of mentality in a company to something that makes compliance a routine part of somebody's workday, like getting coffee in the break room. What, what is, how do you get to that state where people just go, oh yeah, I, you know, I know what to do if I have a question. I feel pretty good about what I should know, but I know there are things I don't and I'm going to raise my hand if I am in doubt. How do you get to that? You, you engage them. You engage with them. You don't talk to them. You don't talk down to them. You don't have Tom Fox, the lawyer, saying, ye shall do this or ye shall not do that. Uh, you engage them in a way that they're going to remember the, the general theme of the communication, whether it be a short 60-second, uh, uh, just a one theme, one idea, or just as we're doing, a podcast. And I've done podcasts for corporate clients who wanted to communicate a message where we've taken uh, one theme and in a five to 10 minute, generally about 10 minutes, uh, we talk about whatever that specific issue is within the overall theme. And we'll have multiple issues under a theme, but uh, it can be, a, if we just kind of go down the basic lists, you know, gifts, travel, and entertainment, uh, engaging with new vendors, engaging with new sales agents, 
uh, <clears throat> what are uh, the rules around who I can sell to and how much uh, uh, they can, how much can they buy? So if you're in a pharmaceutical uh, company, uh, if I called up and said, hi, Chris, I'm Tom Fox. I'd like to order uh, $500,000 worth of uh, X product. And you go, God, Tom, we're right before Christmas. This is great. Uh, you know, give me your bank <laughs> details. Uh, uh, you know, well, does that raise a red flag? Uh, you might say, well, why are you going to use these? Or what are you a consulting physician? Do you have a hospital? Uh, I'm not quite, I've not heard of you. I'm sorry. And so those sorts of basic questions, who are you selling to? What are you selling? Uh, is it, am I buying a, a correct amount or am I buying so much that, that you think this is unusual? Meaning a red flag was raised. Just because there's a red flag doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means you might want to do some additional investigation. You might want to check me out. You might want to check my services out. Uh, you might find out, well, I'm going to Mexico um, on a charity mission, and here's my charity, and, and this is how we're going to distribute through physicians in Mexico. There's a wide variety of things that uh, I could be doing it for, or I could be doing it for some illegal or nefarious reason. So the, the communication is to, designed to get people to think. And I heard a regulator, a regulator in my industry is, is a lawyer at the Department of Justice, not a regulator perhaps in your industry. Uh, but this one lawyer, she said, well, the guidelines we put out are to get compliance officers to think. Think about your program. Think about how you're communicating your program. And are you getting the basics across to everyone? And then those people who are at <clears throat> higher risk positions like a salesperson, like an accounts payable person, like a compliance person? Do you give them more focused and targeted training that's going to help them do their job better? Nice. Yeah, so that segues into my next question, which is, um, so when I worked at companies in life sciences, mostly, uh, in, almost entirely, making instrumentation, so we had all kinds of trainings, of course, sexual harassment training and, uh, you know, probably hiring and so on trainings, but also uh, some of the instruments we were selling could be used. Um, they're research use only, but there are regulations around those, class one medical devices. And I had to sit through these online trainings, which I understand is a way to make sure that information got delivered and hopefully understood. That gets you to one level. You see podcasts as a way to get to another level of understanding. And it sounds like from what you were saying there, there are certain people who might benefit from another level of information, perhaps delivered on a podcast. Uh, perhaps delivered on a podcast, uh, perhaps delivered in conjunction with a podcast so that you have a written text, whether that be uh, the transcript, whether it be additional uh, written information that you might want to deliver, such as specific rules and regulations. You don't want to spend time uh, going through on a rote basis in a podcast, but it's all right. about engagement, Chris. What engages you the most? Is it a movie? Is it a television show? Is it an episodic television show? Is it a um, an article in, in Sports Illustrated? Is it, uh, and knowing a little bit about your background and feeling fairly safe to say you're a complete geek, it might be uh, actually reading rules and regulations. I'm a lawyer and I love reading legislation even, and I'll read laws. 
but it really depends on you know who's your audience, and that as the compliance officer is is perhaps the biggest. I don't want to say misstep, but it's the biggest area compliance officers are not thinking about is as a compliance officer, my customer is my employee. It's the in-house employee. So if I was going to sell something to a customer, uh, which I am because I'm selling compliance, um, how do I engage so that they want to consume my product or, or buy my product or my services? So uh, it's, it really takes a little bit of a changing, certainly of a legally trained mind, because lawyers aren't trained like to think like that, and uh, compliance officers are typically not trained to think like that. But how do you engage the person you're trying to communicate with? Yeah, that's just standard communications, but I love that you put it in that context, that you're selling something internally. Now we bring it back to a little bit of marketing and thinking, first question if I'm working with somebody, if I'm on my game that day, I'm always thinking, like, what's the goal? Who's the audience? So who are you trying to reach and what do you want them to do? Um, that's the beginning of everything. So I, um, just to clean up the record, I do not read legislation. <laughs> um, but I am a geek. I'll, I'll admit to everything but that. Um, so... Tell me if this is an over-the-top idea, but one of those things to engage people, can you see something as compelling as a true crime podcast? So someone produces a series that are based on actual stories. We're going to change the names, but to dramatize some compliance missteps that might be, one, an element of mystery to figure out you know, what was behind the whole thing, and two... Um, what happened and how to avoid it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I have uh, in development a podcast series that's exactly that. I call it the Corruption Files, and I'm simply taking the top 10 anti-corruption enforcement actions of all time, and I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to dramatize them, but I'm going to talk about them, and uh, uh, I have a prosecutor friend who's going to talk about the prosecutorial angle. I'm going to talk about the facts, and then uh, we're going to talk about lessons learned. And the great thing about true crime is, one, it's true. But two, if you told someone the story, they would probably look at you and say, you made that up. Nobody's that stupid. Well, when you're taking bags of cash across the border, you know, you might say to me, Tom, nobody's that stupid except we have enforcement actions where literally somebody put $200,000 in their trunk and drove across the Texas-Mexico border to pay bribes. So uh, those are the kinds of stories that get people's attentions. And I think true crime is still the number one podcast format in compliance or in podcasting. And so if you can take true crime in whatever your industry or corporate discipline is and uh, use that as obviously lessons learned not to do, uh, I can think it can be an extraordinarily powerful teaching tool and communications tool. Yeah, that's, uh, one, good on you for doing that. Two, if people think that no one's that stupid, they haven't watched Fargo. But, um, so you have dozens of podcasts, and I don't mean just episodes, but actual series on compliance. So give us a few examples and tell us why you separate those into so many different channels or series. Well, part of it is, uh, as I said earlier, I'm insatiably curious. 
so I insatiably read and I insatiably study. So I love Sherlock Holmes, so I have Sherlock Holmes in compliance. Each fan of Shakespeare, I have Shakespeare in compliance. I have a podcast with a fellow geekhead, and we literally, it's com- called Compliance into the Weeds, and we completely geek out on some point. It's inside baseball, except it's inside compliance. <clears throat> but there's also different subject matter uh, that's related. There's business ethics. There's I have a leadership podcast. I have a history podcast. Uh, I look at leadership lessons from the presidents. I look at leadership lessons from ancient Greeks and ancient Romans. I look at um, ethical quandaries that we have uh, today. As you mentioned, I look at movies. I'm currently doing the full Marvel Cinematic Universe oeuvre of movies uh, with a colleague to uh, to look at look at uh, compliance from that angle. Uh, I have a roundtable. I'm the only roundtable in compliance. I'm the moderator. Uh, that won an award this uh, this year uh, for uh, top talk top talk show in compliance uh, or po- in podcasting, even though it's in compliance. And so there's there's different ways uh, to to look at all of these subjects. And my hope is that uh, one or more uh, will interest people enough uh, to to listen in and learn. Yeah, I guess the strategy there is, I mean, as you talked about finding your audience. Those channel names or series names, because they cover such a broad area, are different ways to get people who are interested in compliance curious about the stories you're telling in those areas. Right. So is there a way to repurpose those in bits and pieces into mini courses? Uh, There is. That's a step I... Haven't made yet, although many have offered to uh, host me in doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom Fox, we have reached the end of our time. Where should folks go to learn more about you and all the work you're doing? So you can reach out to me at LinkedIn, Thomas Fox. Uh, my email is tfox, that's T-F-O-X, at tfoxlaw.com. Uh, check out my compliance podcast network, appropriately named Compliance Podcast Network at compliancepodcastnetwork.net, award-winning Compliance Podcast Network. Um, So there's uh, various ways to reach out. I'd love to engage. And if anyone has ever thought about starting a podcast, I'd love to have you uh, host you on my network. So please reach out. All right. I will put links to those uh, things you mentioned, your LinkedIn profile and the podcast network in the show notes for this episode. And once again, Tom Fox, thank you so much. Chris, it was my pleasure. Internal podcasts are an underutilized resource. As I've mentioned before, they can be secured to your organization and you'll get better metrics than you can get on any open external podcast. So you got that going for you. As always, If you like the podcast, please share it with a couple of folks you work with. Don't keep all the good stuff to yourself. And I'll be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye.